All right. I think we're rolling. I think we're rolling. Um, welcome, everybody, to The Colour Couch. Uh, those of you who have chimed into the video version, you may have noticed something. It's the video version. You can see who I'm talking to, which is really, really cool. Um, I, I want to... I've done this before where I ramble for about 10 minutes straight before saying who I'm talking to, who's sitting there going. So welcome, Patrick Inhofer, to the Color Couch. Thank you, Vincent. I'm very happy to be here. How does it feel being on video? Is it snazzy? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, uh, it's very personalizing. I got to tell you, you know, I do a lot of videos myself and, uh, you know, I don't have to do, you know, on camera when I do my videos. And I find that when I choose to do it, the audience responds a lot better. So I'm yeah. a big fan of, of video, even when, you know, just listening on a podcast is just fine. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, up until this point, it's been, uh, I've, I've just, not that I've done that many, but I've just done audio uh, podcasts. And it was after chatting to you um, oh, months back and you introduced me to this, um, this software and, and I went, well, well, why not do video? I, I mean, I had to brush my hair and you had to brush your hair. So, you know, we had to look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I washed my face. Yeah. Um, uh, as now, pretty as we can look. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we work in dark rooms. So, you know, the lighting's always quite good. Um, now, now, for those of you who do not know, uh, I mean, I've been uh, following Patrick for many, many years, actually. Uh, Patrick... I'm going to introduce first of all as a teacher because my gosh, you, you, you've been instructing people for, for, for such a long time, uh, predominantly in, in, uh, the art of color grading and, uh, Patrick runs a, a company called mixinglight.com, which if you haven't checked it out, j please check it out. And, and this applies to people who are, uh, you know, starting off in color, but it also applies to people who are, you know, have been doing it for years. I mean, I, I access it from time to time for all sorts of things. It, uh, so it hits people at all different levels. Um, I want to, but I'm going to wind it right, 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 right back. I want to, I want to hear first of all about, you know, how, how on earth did you get into this insane industry and where did you start off? Wow, we're going back to junior high. I mean, uh, I started out as kind of a child actor. And <laughs> as, yeah. Now, you don't know me from anything. I never made it to television or film or anything like that. But my mom, when I was like in fifth grade, my mom was really concerned because I, I, I don't, I never communicated very well and I didn't have very many friends. And she thought that I was like this socially inept person. And so she got me involved in children's theater. And uh, we spent two years in Minneapolis, and they have a big children's theater group there uh, called the Children's Theater. So I would leave junior high at noon, take a bus into Minneapolis, a, a public bus, take that into Minneapolis. And then from, I forget what it was, like 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock at night, we were doing ballet and singing and circus skills. I, I juggle. Uh, that was that was the big takeaway that 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 you know fifty years later, forty years later is still with me is the juggling. I can still juggle, <laughs> and uh, and so and I, you know I went to Lee Strasberg School in Manhattan. I actually got oh accepted gosh. into Carnegie Mellon's drama program, and 
I remember the day that acceptance letter came in and suddenly my mom, this thing that she had introduced me to that she was so excited thought would bring me out was her single biggest fear is that her child was going to go to university to learn to, to act. Right. I, it was like it was the last thing she ever wanted to see happen. And so I remember that that acceptance letter coming in. I remember running up to my room and opening it up. It says, hey, you've been accepted. And I looked at it and I for about 30 seconds, it was processing. And then I said, no, no way I'm going to make it in front of the camera. It's never going to happen. But I love the business. I love movies. You know, I grew up on Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. I grew up on, uh, you know, skeletons fighting on ships and, you know, all the stop motion stuff from the Sinbad movies. And I just knew that, you know what? I, I love the business. I want to be on the back end. I used to make on our VHS, I would make little stop motion movies of shoes in the house going around the house and fighting and having love affairs and things like that, right? Crazy stuff, but you know, just using my dad's you know, VHS one frame at a time. And, and so that's how I got started in this crazy business. I ended up graduating from um, Hofstra University on Long Island in New York uh, with a Bachelor of Science in Film and Television Production. I was a weirdo in that I did both the film program and the TV program. And there weren't a lot of us who did that. Like the film kids were, and you know, you were you were cutting film. You were on 16 millimeter, eight millimeter. We had a Steenbeck. Uh, but then downstairs was the television program with three huge studios with lighting grids that came down wow. from the ceiling. And there was a student television news channel. So we all did our, we recorded our own shows and they aired on the closed circuit cable television network. And this is 1986, right? So, um, it was a it was a fantastic program. I honestly I consider it at the time it was it was more of a technical school, a trade school for me, because you know when I got out and graduated, I could run VTRs. I knew how to read scopes. I I had worked with you know digital DVEs, yeah. um, you know to fly things around on an ADO and things like that. For those of us old enough to remember those types of devices. And then that just got me to here. You know, I've, I've been in the business ever since. So, yeah. you know, I got my first job in 1989, and I've been doing this ever since. Ten years full-time as an editor, and then then about ten years kind of editor-colorist, with most of that time just spending transitioning into color, and then ten years full-time as a colorist. So, yeah, that's – but even as an editor, I was always a finishing guy. Right, right. So I always – uh, everything went straight to air. So, you know, the producer would walk in and they'd give you a box of tapes and they'd have a notebook filled with time code numbers. And so we're doing the narrative. We're putting the edit together. But I also have to take care of audio levels. I also have to make sure everything looks good. So I always and everything, you know, we, I'd be finished that day. And the next day I've got spots on the air. I've got promos on the air. Uh NBA inside stuff Saturday morning. We'd be there till three o'clock in the morning on Friday night waiting for the West Coast NBA shows to finish up. And then I wake up and I was an assistant on that one. And I wake up the next morning and it's airing as I'm eating, you know, eating, you know, breakfast. And uh, so so creating good looking pictures was always part of my shtick when I was an editor. You know, it's like I know how to do that. I know how to go to air. Mm. And so when these tools, these digital tools came out for color grading, 
that's what I uh, the moment like Final Cut Pro three with the three way color corrector, I was hooked and I never looked back. Yeah, I've, I'm I've, I'm fixated on this image of you sitting there with that acceptance letter. I mean, how how what age were you then? <laughs> how old were you when you were making that decision? I uh, seventeen, yeah. eighteen, yeah, seventeen, eighteen, senior year in high in high school. Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah, and I never regretted great. it. Although I do miss I I miss theater. I do. But what I miss, and I imagine you get this in film and television on set, is the camaraderie of the group. You know, you're all working together for a month or two or three months, and you build this rapport and these connections and rivalries, and then sometimes it goes south and it gets very vicious and, mm. you know, high school. And so it gets very clicky. But um, I do miss that. Like, as, as a... Even as an editor, I would get that, you know, usually with my producer, like we're working for weeks and weeks on end together. As a colorist, that all kind of goes out the window. You know, the job comes in. You're lucky if they've consulted you in pre-production. It's true. Um, most of us, although there are exceptions in our, in our craft where the colorist goes out on set, but most of us aren't going out on set. I Certainly, I never do. And uh, so I don't, I don't get that kind of long-term relationship. And so people are in and then they're out. Now, I, I build relationships with producers and directors and then they become regular clients. But even then, you know, it's a couple of weeks at a time, maybe if it's, a, if it's a episodic, a, you know, a couple of months. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't get quite that large group, tight-knit, experience that i used to get in theater and uh i don't know maybe if i ever retire you know i'll do like community theater here in orlando or someplace who knows do you are you conscious of any of those skills you know the skills in, as an actor did any of any of those skills come across in, into this world or i gotta think it does i mean certainly my comfortableness being in front of a group of people mm -hmm. helps um uh you know being an editor and a colorist, I often think sometimes you're part therapist and <laughs> yes. that there's some acting in there. Like it's not, I'm not acting, right? Like I care about my clients, but you know, there are times when I'm like trying to, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm working and I'm trying, I'm focusing on my image and my clients like talking about something that's going on with, you know, someone on set or, you know, whatever, their, their client. And uh, you have to be able to kind of manage that. Um, and then as a, an instructor, it definitely helps. There's no doubt about it. With my training and getting in front of an audience, I know I used to do lots of live training. I would do events like NAB, is NAB 2022 is happening right now. And so I would do those events where we would have a room of 200 people and I'm teaching something about DaVinci Resolve or color grading. Or, and, and so it definitely helps on that. It helps being able to, to command a room, to have a voice that reaches out. And uh, I remember it was, uh, I forget exactly who was in, in the car. We were in Beijing and we were on a, we were training in Beijing. And it was me, Robbie Carmen, and someone else. And we were, we were on a taxi with a tour guide who was taking us to the Great Wall of China. And she turns around. And because all three of us were all trainers and we all have like these loud voices, we able to command a room. And she turns around, she goes, I feel like I'm listening to the BBC. And, <laughs> and we just kind of cracked up. She's like, your voices are, you sound like you're like television radio uh. people. 
And uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, certainly I think the ability to use your voice in order to help maintain interest. Mm. I've been told that things, you know, one of the reasons why it's e kind of easier to watch my videos is, you know, I'm not talking in this kind of monotone voice. You Absolutely. Know, I, I, I accentuate up and down. I put mm. inflection in. I, you know, and I think that is definitely related to that early childhood training. Yeah, I, w I, would, I would say that you're, you're, everything I've watched that you've done uh, you're very engaging and when I've seen you do um, the occasional video with somebody else or like with Robbie or something else you're listening you know your listening yeah. is is really really good as well so it's uh, oh it's 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 I did not know that about you about that background that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I, have, I don't I don't go around advertising that and by the way a good actor is a good listener yes um, you know it's not just you're running off your lines you're listening to your your energy is reflected back from the person you're talking to and uh, if you don't listen, you don't, you know, you need to, that's how you get that rapport on stage. Even though everyone knows the lines, the the ability to express those lines in a way that connects with the audience requires as if you're responding to the first time. And you can't respond to the first, as as if it's the first time you heard these lines, if you're not actively listening. And so I think that's where a lot of that comes. I like to think that's what I'm doing, is, is I'm actually listening in conversations like this. Um, so you, you know, Ultimately, you've got this incredible foundation of all all of this the skill set, and then something pulled you more more towards color grading and color correction. Was there some a single thing, or was it a combination of things that did that? I've thought about this a lot, like why color grading, and I'm a very I think one of the reasons I teach it is I'm very self aware of you know like as I'm as I started color grading, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I pulling this slider why am I moving this wheel in, in the direction that I'm moving it in I think a lot of it has to do with the hand eye thing like color grading if you get off the mouse and onto a control surface it's a it's this biomechanical experience I am physically interacting and I'm seeing feedback through my eyes and it's this very physical connection to what I'm looking at. And I think that's what I find appealing. The thing I loved about online editing back in the linear days was running the switchers and running, you know, the Chiron and, you know, the kaleidoscope and the K-scope and all, like, you know, and I'd have all of these different pieces of equipment and it was very physical as well. And so that's what I think a lot of my joy out of color grading comes from is it's a, it's an entire full body experiences, not just cerebral. It's, I think of something, I physically do it, and then I get that visual feedback. It's immediate, and when it works well, it's gratifying, and when it doesn't, it's frustrating as hell. But, you know, it's, I think that's what it is. It's like this, it's a, it's a total body experience for me. And I, I just, you know, they talk about um, getting into a zone and I mean, hours, days can drop away on a big job. I, it's like I sit down and then I look at my, I sit down at nine o'clock in the morning and I look at my watch and it's dinner time. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't even stop for lunch and I have no idea where the hours went. I was just in this zone and I, I love being in that zone. I, I can just drop into it like that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the other thing I love about color grading. It allows me to get into that space. Yeah. I, 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 could not agree more with that and especially that thing about the zone i mean uh, you know i've been i've been grading a while now and i and i 
it still gets me so happy. I've just, you know, every job, <laughs> so many things have changed as, as far as what we use and how we do it. But I, but I still get in that place and you do, you get lost in it. And it's, in, and it's a lovely lost. It's not a scary lost. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, you, you've been doing this a long time now. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm avoiding the teaching for, for a moment because I really want to focus on that and mixing light. But uh, yeah, sure. during that, during that, you know, that incredibly long career, what are are there, are there kind of some fundamental changes that you've seen in in like what we use to to with our craft? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I survived the transition from online physical tape, you know, linear editing physical tape media where a room would cost a million dollars to set up a finishing suite, you know, you know, with 10 bit tape recorders, you know, DCT machines and D2 and D1 and that all the way now. And then, you know, into, but I was using Avid in 1992 as well. So, I mean, it was the, the recording codec in Avid when I started was AVR3. And it was the the compression was so blocky that when we would go back and do the finishing off a of tape, we'd have to select alternate takes because we suddenly realized that these actors' eye lines were all off, like they're looking in the wrong place. And you couldn't tell on AVR three because you couldn't see their pupils. The codec was so blocky, and uh, so. But I got off of that pretty quick. So uh, another editor came in, and and you know I was a junior at that point, and he took over that part of the business. So I was an online guy for ten years. So I, I survived that transition. Um, and then when the Declan card, the initial Declan card, first came out, that's when I realized everything was going to change. I, I knew that where we are today, twenty years later. Hmm that this is where we were going to end up where you could use an off the shelf, you know, Mac or laptop to do the kind of work we're doing. And you can, I mean, unless you're at the very highest end of our business and you're working in 8k, you need stereoscopic real time. Right. But for the fundamentals of what we're doing, I mean, you, you put it, if you can drop it into a 1080p timeline, uh, you can work on just about any off the shelf consumer uh, product, you mm. know, in terms of computers so at, I saw that 20 years ago. I'm like, this is where I'm going. Uh, you know, I went freelance, and then I eventually opened up my own studio. So that was the second big, that was the initial big transition I saw from linear to nonlinear, and then from nonlinear to being able to take that million-dollar room and shrink it down into a $5,000 computer with, you know, easily affordable software. And, and when you and when you say you opened your own studio, was that doing online and finishing and color, or was it transitioning yeah, more? Yeah, it color? was. It was. A, it was. I called it Fini Fini TV, and so the concept was: is I was the last stop, right? So you would come to me after picture lock, and then I'd do all your graphics and all your and make your show look good, and we do all your final exports. So I had Digibeta machines, and you know I'd create your masters, and away you would go. Uh, so yeah, that's exactly what I did. And then I think the the other major transition I've seen now is now color management uh, has completely blossomed, uh, you know, and that's largely on the color create on the color grading side, and just 
everything with the raw captures, and now we've got the color management uh, color management on the finishing side. Now we have the complete package where uh, you just have this kind of from camera to to put to finishing workflow, this pipeline where you know you can create really amazing images again with very affordable computer systems and camera systems. And so I think that's the the next big transition, which on top of that, you layer on top of that high dynamic range. So now we're actually changing the 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 canvas that all of us, if you think of it as like a painter, it's like we're going from watercolor to oils, right? It's like all of a sudden we've got a much bigger canvas that we can work with. So that's been another big change I've seen. And then also I, I would mix in with that the Dolby Vision, which I love it because the concept is, you know, even in the mid nineties at home, I was always wanted to, I was, I like owned a laser disc player because I wanted to see the image the way the filmmaker, right? I wanted to see the image the way the filmmaker created the image. And with Dolby vision, that's yet another step closer, right? Where the whole point of Dolby vision is to deliver this, this full dynamic range mastering deliverable. And then, you get as close as you can to viewing that on whatever device you're viewing on. And that'll be different depending on the device, but it'll be optimized for that device, mm -hmm. right? And so I, for me, that's also another huge leap forward. And I'm, I've been a huge fan of Dolby Vision since, uh, since I first learned about it. Mm. And then, and then the, the, there was a spark there that, that kind of obviously pushed you more just into that color grading spectrum right and just into that oh yeah that yeah. little that little road so so again was there a moment that that happened or was it just a a logical progression for you i think apple color um you know when when apple color and you know it was final touch before that and i had seen final touch at nab i had heard about it on the various message boards and but when Apple adopted, bought Final Touch, they bundled it into Final Cut Studio and they pushed it out and included it as part of Final Cut Studio. That's when I was like, I can do this full time now. Because what Apple did is it set the expectation in the marketplace that color correction isn't a plugin that you treat like some other video effect. Color correction is a standalone app with a standalone set of creatives who can um, who are colorists. And so Apple was the biggest marketing thing I ever saw for, for the kind of work that I wanted to do, move into color grading. I'm like, I don't have to explain color grading. Apple is doing it for me. They've set the standard that colorists are an actual skill and an actual trade. And I just, I dove into color and that was it. I was, I was off and running and transitioning. I spent about three years transitioning out of any kind of editing and just, you know, my goal was to be a full-time colorist all the time. So you'd pushed into, into color grading and that was, that was lighting some fires, but then somewhere along there, you decided to start actually teaching or instructing or, or, or talking more about color in general, how did that come about? 
That came about actually from my Final Cut days. So I was, uh, I'd go to the New York Final Cut Pro user group in Manhattan, and I went to a couple of these, and I, I met the, the guy who was leading it at the time. His name was Michael Vitti. He passed away, God rest his soul. He's a great friend, really good guy. And he was the president of the New York Final Cut Pro user group. And he asked me, he said, teach. Like, I know you do good work. You're a professional working with Final Cut. Come on in, talk about something. I'm like, well, how about I teach the three-way color corrector? Because no one knows how to use it. He's like, yeah, okay. And that's how I got, and that's that was like the first thing I ever did. And at that meeting, um, that's where I just started. They, they'd asked me to come back. I got a lot of questions, and, and that's how I, I got into that. Eventually, I became the treasurer of that user group. And then Michael Vitti passed away at NAB, and, uh, and then I took over as president for a year or two. And then finally, I... I'd launched my online training and I'd gotten to the point where I couldn't do both. I couldn't do both the user group and my online training and running my regular business. And so I eventually handed off management of that user group. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's how I got into the whole training side of things. And then it just kept growing, didn't it? I mean, talk about evolution and 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 now you've got mixinglight.com and and that itself has got a story yeah yeah it's it's kind of interesting it's been an evolution i mean you know uh if you were to drop into mixing light today you might think that it just kind of formed that way fully as a complete thought uh but it's been running for nine years it's evolved for nine years and then even before that, I'd been tr I'd been teaching uh, for five years prior to that, including my own personal TauofColor.com uh, training that that I'd done. And you know, I started teaching. I, I think my first tr online training course was maybe Final Cut Six, definitely Final Cut Seven. It included Apple Color, um, and I just I never stopped. <laughs> I you know I the the found the way I got to mixing light is Robbie Carmen and Dan Moran came to me and said, we want to do something in this space. You've got Tao color going on. We're thinking of maybe team finding someone to partner with and building something new. And my answer was, look, I, I do a lot of standalone training and Tao color was always these standalone training packages. And, you know, you, I would record like 20 hours of training and I, you could submit your projects to me based on the common, you know, I deliver you a project and you could, deliver me back your color grades and I'd give you critiques. And, but the problem that, that I had personally with standalone training is you have to keep producing it all the time. And so I have to keep creating all of these standalone training packages year after year. And I've just found that exhausting. And yeah, I was like, I'd love to do a membership site. The problem with the membership site is it's a hungry beast. It you have to keep delivering content day after day, week you know week after week, month after month, and because people are you, you're you're hitting them up every month, every quarter, every year, you have to keep delivering content. And I can't do that alone. I mean, it's just it's too much for one person to do. And uh, but I said with three of us, we could make that happen. And I think there's a, there's a big need for continuing education. You know, training packages are fine, but they always tend to be at like this base level. You know, it's you're always onboarding people. And 
you can only get to a certain level of complexity and detail before just the number of people who are willing to watch it or who are capable of using that information, it starts falling off and falling off. So when you get to three, you know, if you think of like a college course, 101 is your bigger audi biggest audience, and then 201, the audience shrinks, and then 301, the audience shrinks, and then you get to your master's and PhD, and then you're down to like four people. And I'm like, I'd love to be able to produce 101, PhD, master's level, 301, 201, and just change it up. And the 101 people will benefit from hearing the PhD guys or gals talking, right? And the PhD level people, you know what? It's actually useful every now and then to get back to that 101 level and remember the things you had forgotten. And I felt like a service that could mix all of that together from a wide variety of voices would add value and and that's what mixing light is and that's what we built that service to become and so it went it moved beyond the three co-founders i think i have we have about 15 contributors in total of which right now i'd say who are active and the published in the past year is probably nine or ten have published in the past year and some of them publish you know twice a month once a month you know regular contributors and uh yeah so that's that's been my big focus uh, for the last nine years the tau color standalone training went away in the process i've also been producing training for linkedin which is that 101 level onboarding thing right that quick three-hour course and it's usually davinci resolve is pretty much what i focus on nowadays um it's just everywhere and easy to get and so it's it's the natural thing to focus on i am trying to get base light i'd love to get i'd love to get colorists on Nastika and some of these other platforms as well uh, even if most of us never touch them, we can learn from their thought process. How do these other apps think differently? Because it'll give you new ideas and new approaches into whatever app you're using on your daily, on your regular job. Well, well and, you, uh, you, so you, um, uh, sorry to cut you off, Patrick, but, but you, you hit on something about mixing light, uh, that I adore. And, and yes, it, you know, it focuses a lot on some resolve, uh, things and teaching resolve techniques but one of the things I love about it and why I, why I always kind of wave the flag for it is because it also talks about color grading or color correction and it doesn't matter what system you use you know it, it talks about you know what inspires you and, and what uh, what you get excited about it does go you know you've started doing a base light course you've started with Luke and, and, and things like that yeah and, and I and I think that's great and 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 picking up on something you said earlier and this is why i have come back to it over the years um you know i i won't use a certain facet of grading for a long long time and all of a sudden i'm thrown into a job where i have to and i go oh oh and and you know and and that's something that i can access and look full transparency i mean lao post um they they host this show but there's room for all of it and that's the thing i love about it and and there's oh i think so too i yeah absolutely yeah, and th and they've all and they've all got different strengths and weaknesses anyway, but I but I I think it's really interesting now the way you know you use that word evolution, and the way that mixing light has evolved is so awesome, you know the way it's grown and that you <laughs> do have all these different voices now, um and it and it's uh, it feels alive, you know it doesn't feel like this standalone course and you know it just feels like you can it, it's just grown so much so much it's really really good and so hat off to you man i think it's amazing 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. In fact, you know, we've with the start of the pandemic, uh, we started implementing things in order to build more community features, have have our members interacting more and more with each other. So it started off as a Slack channel, like a, a private Slack channel that's now migrated into straight up forums where, you know, now we've got kind of like lift gamma again, but private, but also those forums plug directly into our individual insights. So if you're not familiar with mixing light, what happens is most of our tutorials, we call them insights are either articles, podcasts, or videos, videos. And we all, most of these things we try to keep relatively short, you know, by video, a short video, I mean, under 20 minutes. Mm and over six or seven minutes, right? So like not really three minute videos, like six or seven minutes. And the concept being is take a single thought and explore the thought, right? I'm not trying to teach you the entire app. I'm trying to teach you something very specific, but we don't just limit it to apps either. We also, we also talk about business and you know, we're doing a, a conference call tomorrow, a members only live conference call. That's good, all about business and it's mm -hmm. about client relations and setting rates and you know all of that and i'm gonna have four, yeah, see, that's four contributors on there and then members will be able to ask questions and then when that gets posted it'll have a comment section but the comments now are also part of the forum so if you watch an insight now and this wasn't this is new for us it used to be if you watched an insight that was published five years ago and still relevant today i mean 80 percent of that content is still relevant you know eight years later mm. What would happen is you'd leave a comment on that, and the only people who would ever see it would be the admins of the website and the author of who wrote that insight, you know, four years ago. Now, because it's part of the forum, your new comments show up as a new thread on the forum. So even old, old content with new comments can become fresh again. And and so it's all about and then and then not just the author will be able to respond, but all the other members suddenly get to read it. Now they see that comment. All the other members can come in and comment. And so I'm, I'm spending the rest of this year. We're building up that community feature. We just rolled out forums. It's version like point eight right now. Um, I'm taking a month off from it, getting feedback from our members and then we can start development on it again, building more community features, allowing members to kind of connect with each other. Uh, on a regional basis is what I hope will come of it. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you feel like it's kind of vibrant and alive because, so. you know, yeah. the way I explain it and when I, when I talk to our contributors and they say, well, what should I write about? I said, what, what's, what is, what interests you today? Mm. Like literally what problem did you solve yesterday? You solved a problem over the past week and you were excited to solve that problem. And I guarantee you that that excitement will come through on these videos or in your article and you will get our members excited to have an answer to this problem that they may have not even realized they had. And there'll always be a small percentage of members who are also going through it right now who will be very, very excited that they have an answer for that problem. And so I think by not requiring contributors to always think about the value add, and I just say, if you're excited about it, it's worth talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's worth content putting onto Mixing Light. And that's kind of my driving force for contributors as to what makes good content on the website or not. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think, uh, and you, you touched on this with uh, that w when you had Tower Color. Um, one of the things that just the way color grading has developed over the the last decade or or even more 
is you know the the junior colorist or the apprenticeship uh, has kind of got lost in the speed of things yeah. happening and yeah. and and you mentioned it with Tao color like actually giving feedback and interacting and what you're talking about now with this idea where other members can contribute you get that feedback you get that and and that's where you grow i think you know because you're getting somebody else going yeah but why did you do it that way why don't you try this why don't you you know and you get that it's it's really rich i, I think it's a lovely idea yeah it's i have mixed feelings about that <laughs> i'll tell you the truth so when i when i did that thing where i i'd hand you a project it was very important to me that we were both working off the same notes in other words i would have a project that you were color grading, not you walk in with any random project and then I give you feedback. That doesn't work because I have no idea what your client notes are. I don't know what the director told you. It's not about my preference, it's about your client's preference. So on the projects back in the Tower Color days, the, the projects I'd hand you, I would have an interview, you would get an interview with the actual director of that project. And you would hear our discussion, and then we marched forward from those notes so that I always knew that the notes I was giving you back were based off the director or the producer's desires, not out of some sense that I've got these awesome, amazing eyes, and I just happen to know what looks good and doesn't. Because all of our clients are all different, and they all have different opinions, right? And so I'm always... On Mixing Light right now, there is not a way... I don't really have a forum set up for critiques, right? where you're working on a spot or you're working on a short film and you post it up and then people can give you feedback because I think it's unfair to the client because they haven't been able to, they're not in there telling you what their direction is. I have to rely on the person submitting and I can't just out of nowhere say it's good or bad. It's good or bad in relation to what, in the context of what. And so I'm, Colors Flight School will come back to Mixing Light, the concept of handing you a project, giving you a direction, and then ensuring that you follow a very particular workflow so that you're not attacking the look before you've done your shot matching or your, your basic balancing. Um, you know, I think that's important to teach that structure as well. And, um, and so that's part of that Colors Flight School concept is uh, teaching a very structured workflow as well and ensuring you're following that workflow, not getting ahead of yourself and then creating more work on the back end. You, you, you made all these little sparks go off in different parts of my brain at exactly <laughs> the same time. Because I, I thought about you know, this exercise we had you know, like 20 years ago in film school where we all got given the same, I think it was footage from rawhide or gun smoke or something like that but we, 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 we all got <laughs> yeah, given the that's same a classic we all got given the same footage we all got given you know eight hours to cut a yep. scene you know and although we didn't get direction about what we needed to get out of that it was great because we all had the same material to work with and and there's something really great about that and and it's and and the other spark that went off on the other side of my brain was <laughs> was uh, uh, colorist awards, awards for color grading. And this is my, I think they're great, but this is my big issue or challenge with them is it depends on what the parameters were when you were grading. You know, how much time did you have? What was the direction? Was it going off in a different direction to what you wanted to do? And, you know, there's, there's so many variables. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I, I like it. 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't think there'll ever be a mixing light colorist award. Um, I'd love that base light is doing their awards. Like there needed to be something out there. And I love how base light did it. And, and I think it's, there's a place for it, mm. but I do think you're right. It's, I think it's more reflective of the trends of the moment than it is about the skill or the ability or the, or the obstacles that were overcome. And without having any reference as to, you know, what did the raw, what did the raw footage look like? Yes. Normalized even just like, if I just apply a normalized LUT to this thing and looked at it and see what you had to overcome, because frankly, half the DPs in the world never want you to see that anyway, no. right? So even if you wanted to have an awards that allowed that to happen, there'd be tons of resistance from our clients in ever presenting their finished product and anything that approaches kind of the raw state of it. I'm, I'm intending to um, get Filmlight uh, to do an episode of this podcast with Filmlight to talk about the awards. Uh, when they, when yep. they happened last year, they kind of said, oh, would you be interested in doing that? I said, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. And I said at the time, I suggested, and I think I even used the same gun smoke idea. I said, what about having a category, you know, where, where you <laughs> give people who want to enter that award the same footage and and they went ah all right so who knows we'll see watch this space we'll see i i did participate in one of those as a judge uh, a couple of years ago this was in beijing and our host who flew flew us out there they had a contest and they had a bunch of these regional contests throughout china and then the winners of the regional contest came to beijing and there were i don't know eight or ten or twelve uh, colorists and they all sat down on the exact same footage. They had never seen it before. And they were just told, go. And you have one hour. And at the end of the hour, hands off, walk away. And then the judges walk around from machine to machine. And, you know, you have some variety of criteria. And you score them up. And a winner is declared. I thought that was kind Man, of fun. I was interesting. Right. It was I was a little skeptical, but it was good. It was interesting. And what as much fun as it was, like the evaluation was kind of an, it was a little annoying because I never felt like I, I really understood what I what those exactly I was evaluating against. But watching them work and the process that each colorist went through was as interesting as the final result and the final score and the final time. That, that's uh, so but, but there was a there was a uh, a direction that was given initially to each person or or not. No, there was no direction. So it was you were handed. I think it was either maybe a minute and a half piece, uh, and I think they did, we did it twice, two years in a row. The first year was more like a promo, and the second year was more of a documentary, like a mini documentary. And our documentary short. And so, yeah, each year it was slightly different. You had slightly like one had to be a little more slick than the other. The other was a little longer. So you time management was really oh, important yeah. that second year because you had more shots you had to get through and you really had to manage that one hour of time. And uh, whereas the other one was, you know, it was more like seven or eight shots that you really had to grade up and make, you know, like a slick ad. Right. And uh, yeah, there's something about that that I, I kind of like. And uh, that would be interesting to do at like an NAB or something like that and have um, and have colorists right. like working right. colorists right. come out and do I've, that. I've it got would it. Be... I've got it for you. I've got it for you. This is it. So it's a it's a it's a it's a three round 
uh, cu- <laughs> color off, right? Round ra- round ra- ra- round one. Round one is color correction. So you basically got some shots, and you've got to ma- get the shots match. That's round one, and then through yep. through that, say yep. say you get four four finalists, and then after that, you yep. you give them a direction, all right, and then say okay, it's got to be moody or it's got to be feel cold or whatever, and say from that round you get two left, and then the final round is a a twelve minute session, and They've got to go for it, and they get directions. But then during it, the directions change. They go, Nah, you know what? You know what? I don't. I don't like that. I changed I my mind. I don't like that. Can it be a bit more green? Because that's closer to a real session. You know, people go, Eh, that's not quite what I want. I want it to be greener. I want it to be. And then, you know, and you and you have to make them, you know, turn left and turn right and turn, you know, and that and that's and that's how you get your winner. Brilliant, genius. <laughs> and that's the skill of color grading, right? I mean, that is literally what the real skill is. I mean, you got to have the fundamentals and the shot matching and understand balancing and how to read scopes and all that. But really, it's it's client management. It's it's having that discussion and maybe even talking them out of an idea or showing them an idea as quickly as they can just so you can get off that idea. And, you know, two times out of ten, you'll be surprised and say, oh, wow, that really worked. And then so then you just dig deeper into that idea, right? Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's interesting. That, that would be fun. I, the, I don't know. Do you think colorists would sign up for that? Do you uh, think they would like, I don't know. I just, I just put themselves I just, out. I like just that? come up with the ideas, Patrick. I, I'm not going to implement it. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, N, N, NAB, NAB is kind of, we're right in the middle of NAB or it's finished or I don't know even where it's at. Um, but yeah. I, I, anything from that that you've seen that you've got excited about? I can't say no, not really. Uh, only because I haven't, I haven't had a chance to really dig into NAB yet. Um, I do know, you know, Black Magic released Resolve 18 just, you know, a week ago today, and uh, there's some interesting stuff going on there. I, you know, I, I had been waiting for them to do some sort of a remote collaborative workflow, and I think probably the most exciting thing, off the marketing headline, right, is uh, their their cloud-based database that then allows you to enable their collaborative workflow in real time to people across the world. One can be on the edit page, the other could be on the color page, working on the same project off the same database simultaneously in a true collaborative like setup that re- previously required you to be doing it like on a local area network. And that I think is huge. Um, we'll see how people adopt it, but you know, I've always been a big fan of Resolve's collaborative workflow. It, we've been talk, we've been hearing and seeing companies try to crack the studio nut, you know, the studio in a software package, where you've got editing and audio and coloring and graphics, right, all in one package. And companies have been going at this for years, and and then the collaborative thing as well, and been failing left and right. And I think DaVinci Resolve is really the first mature product that answers that call and now to be able to do that like off the same database you're on the edit page i'm on the color page i'm in orlando you're in new zealand or wherever like that's brilliant i mean that's 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 amazing and i i was a little critical of them last year that we hadn't seen something like this we were a year into the pandemic 
at that point, and I couldn't understand why we didn't have something along those lines. I didn't know what it would be. But now that I see it, I'm like, no, this was probably worth the wait. And, um, you know, assuming it works the way it should, the way the marketing looks like it works, some early tests uh, from some mix and light contributors seem to indicate that it is working. Um, that I think is very exciting, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, for me, the most exciting stuff that comes out of NAB is the stuff that the marketing teams don't find interesting, right? So they market and what they put in the, in their, tr in the trade papers or on their website, I'm like those top five features you talk about. No, that wasn't the most interesting thing on this release. I'll show you what the most interesting thing was. And it's usually like this little thing in some niche someplace that saves me time every day, you know? That's what I'm looking for, a bunch of these little features that shave a little bit of time off my day, day in and day out. That's the stuff that gets me really excited. So. Yeah. Now, um, you've taken time out. Uh, pe people don't know you've taken out time out twice for me because the first time I, I, I <laughs> had technical problems. But you've taken time out again uh, to have a chat to me, which, I'm man, I'm so grateful for. And... Uh, I'm I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm I'm a huge fan of what you've done, and you you you've helped me you've Thank helped you, me out over the years, just quietly with a couple. Thank of you, things. Vincent. Um, <laughs> and and somewhere I don't know how the space time continuum works, but somehow you also managed to put an, out a newsletter as well. Um, uh, yeah, my weekly newsletter. Uh, if people want to follow that newsletter, how do they access that? Currently, that's towofcolor.com. T A O of color.com and then you just right off that home page is the very top is sign up for the newsletter and that goes out every sunday morning with your morning coffee is how i pitch it and it's a curated list of the most interesting things that i find interesting usually with some bit of commentary sometimes i add some commentary sometimes it's just an excerpt of the article so you have a sense of the article and the concept isn't you need to read all 20 or 25 of these things if you find two or three items that you find interesting that's my goal is for each reader to find one or two things to click on that's relevant to them in their day and in their work. Uh, that's my goal there. And uh, so that's towofcolor.com. Uh, we're, we're making it's that concept is about um, it's about to get updated. Uh, I can't talk fully about it yet. We're still in kind of the design redesign of it. But uh, yeah, I, I plan on making making that and probably integrating that into mixing light at some point mm. um okay so one of the nice things since i took over mixing light and i bought out robbie and dan is uh i can now take all of these ideas from my towel color days and my mixing light days and now it's way easier for me to turn this all into one big gestalt you know i can take all of these different things i've done over the years and finally combine them into this single thing uh that um like I said, you could work. You could you could come at us at the PhD level, or you can come at us as the freshman, you know, or even the high school senior, right? Um, and you can come in at either level, and and that's that's what I'm going yeah. for. I love that analogy. Actually, it's really clear. To, to and and you can you can fire in a, a dip, at different places. Um, uh, Patrick, I'm super grateful. Thank you very very much for taking time out. And um, and just to reiterate, anyone who wants to check out mixinglight.com. Look, please do. It's it's well, well, well worth the effort. Um, Patrick, take care, and thank you so very much. Vincent, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to come in here, talk with your audience. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to your podcast, so 
uh, when you reached out to me, I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to do it and happy, happy to be here. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks, I appreciate mate. it. Um, thanks, everyone, for, for having another listen and, and watching for the first time as well for, for the video version of the podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, everyone take care of each other. See ya. <laughs>